for the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Steve Berman. On today's show, we're going to speak with 49ers beat writer Matt Barrows about a certain pick that occurred, Trey Lance. After all the talk about Mac Jones over the last month, the decision to draft Trey Lance was kept secret from just about everybody, although maybe not Jed York. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about to Matt about that as well. And everything about Trey Lance that we think might happen in the upcoming season, as well as what it could mean for Jimmy Garoppolo. All these things we'll speak about with Matt Barrows next. It's Monday, May 3rd. So Matt, what were you hearing in the hours before the pick? I, I was hearing some Lance stuff. The odds changed right before the pick went down in Vegas and went uh, to be Lance the favorite at number three. I'm guessing you might have heard some of those things as well. Yeah, you know, I was uh, assigned to do a, a long piece about the pick. And so I wanted to get some of the reporting out of the way. And I called some folks who are close to Mac Jones, including this guy, Joe Dickinson, who's been his QB's coach forever since he was a little boy and, and was with him in Tuscaloosa right up until the draft, was in the green room and all that. And so I called him and I said, I, I assume that John Lynch called you and you know interviewed you as they tend to do for their, their top picks. They want to interview everybody associated with him. And this guy, Joe Dickinson's like, no, I, I haven't talked to him. And there were a couple of other people associated with Mac Jones who hadn't talked to Lynch. And I was like, huh, it's a little odd. If this guy's your pick, you want to leave no stone unturned. So I started to think, I mean, this was like two days before the draft that hmm, maybe it's not as solid on Mac Jones as possible. <laughs> the other thing that turned into a, a tip off was just how prolific Jay York was on Twitter the day of the draft, happy-go-lucky, teasing the fans, playful. I don't think he does that if he knows that the pick is Mac Jones and that there's an avalanche of rancor that would come with that. I don't think he would yeah. expose himself to that at all. So, you know, in hindsight, those were two telltales, I think. Obviously, I, I didn't have a real strong inclination until, you know, just before the pick was made, but... There had been some clues in the in the run up to the draft. So you're telling me that Jed York might not have been telling the truth when he said he had no idea what the pick was in the lead up with the that barrage of tweets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> they told him on uh, on Wednesday. I forget what day they said they uh, they told him who the pick was going to be. But yes, Jed York seemed to be having a lot of fun, having a lot of fun with a stressed out. <laughs> anxiety-filled fan base on Thursday. Before we move on to a little bit more about Trey Lance and, you know, just kind of getting to know him over the weekend, how about the Aaron Rodgers story? That just kind of came out of, I don't know about it, came out of nowhere, but it threw everyone into a tizzy on Thursday throughout the day. You know, the 49ers supposedly, you know, maybe were on the doorstep. At least that's what Rodgers thought of, of landing him. And then, you know, the 49ers, Raiders and Broncos are the teams that are his preferred places to go because he doesn't want to be in the Packers anymore. How did that sort of play into everything, at least for you and your coverage? Oh, I mean, it was just another layer of insanity to what was already such a chaotic process and, and maybe not chaotic from the 49ers point of view but because they kept things so close to the vest there was you know rampant speculation I mean we saw that reflected 
in the Vegas odds. You know, one week it's Mac Jones, who's the favorite. The next week it's Justin Fields. And as you noted, right, you know, before the draft, Trey Lance turned into the favorite, and that turned out to be correct. But yeah, it was just another element there. And I think we can safely say that this was Aaron Rodgers' agent, David Dunn, you know, trying to kind of goose this into existence. You know, this this was the time to trade him before the, the draft, before a lot of these teams drafted quarterbacks. And so uh, the 49ers were one of them. The Broncos were another. The Raiders were mentioned. I don't know if this is over or not. It doesn't seem that way now that the, the genie is totally out of the bottle. Uh, I think it's going to be hard to, to stuff it back in for them. But, you know, after the news came out that the 49ers had made a call, I made calls and I was assured that's not going to happen. There's no way that the Packers would, would trade him in, into uh, the conference. And so that's why the Broncos and the Raiders have sort of emerged as the, as the front runner if a Rodgers deal does get done. With Lance, you know, I'll be honest, uh, I actually grew up a 49ers fan. Uh, I don't know if anyone knew that. But uh, after watching how the sausage was made and sitting in the press boxes and rooms with you and and really the best group of beat writers in the region, at least from an entertainment standpoint of hanging out with you guys, I became an objective observer. But I am excited about this pick for a couple of selfish reasons. First, Trey Lance seems like an interesting guy. He seems intelligent. He seems like he's got an interesting story coming from a small school as well. And then second, I think we might see the best rushing offense in NFL history if Lance is legit. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, especially near the goal line. I got to think that Kyle Shanahan pulls that out of his bag of tricks uh, quite often. Short yardage goal line. I don't think they want to use him all the time as a runner. That's not what Kyle Shanahan does. And he was used a lot as a runner. I mean, I was a little bit frustrated. I started watching him way back in in the fall because, you know, at that point, the 49ers were in the middle of the first round. He barely played in 2020. And I figured, okay, this is a guy who could fall to them at 15 or 16, wherever they were. And, you know, as you're watching those games, you, you do become entranced by him. And it started to grow on me. But there were so many instances where he took the snap and then he just bolted up the middle. And it was a great play for North Dakota State. But, um, you know, when you're watching it, you're like, oh, gee, I wish I wish that wasn't a run. I wish it was a drop back, you know, so you can sort of evaluate him like that. And I'm sure Kyle Shanahan felt the same way. I wish there were a few more throws in the in the uh, the film arsenal to to evaluate. But he's a strong runner. And some of that is that he's playing the Delawares, the Illinois states, the Montana states of the world, James Madison. And he's going up against DBs that are 165 pounds. And he's <laughs> clocking them. He's running them over. There's a great touchdown where he comes around uh, the end and is going towards the corner of the end zone on his, on, with his legs, carrying the ball. And he gets stopped by three uh, players. But he never gets tackles all all the way to the ground and he stays up and he runs the extra like three feet into the end zone and the defensive players are incredulous how did this happen we had him dead to right he was on the ground but he wasn't I mean he's a spectacular athlete and and you're right he's he's interesting some of these other quarterbacks grew up with a silver spoon in their mouth as far as being anointed as special quarterbacks early on in their life and so they had all the the privileges they went to these quarterback camps they went to high-profile high schools. They were recruited heavily to play quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. 
Trey Lance wasn't. I mean, he played at a really small high school in southwest Minnesota. He was barely recruited by Power 5 schools. Minnesota, where he wanted to play, liked him, but liked him as a safety. So, I mean, this is a guy that had to kind of work to become the number three overall pick. I'm not saying the other guys didn't work hard. They did. You know, there's a little bit of chip-on-your-shoulder storyline to Trey Lance that maybe some of these other quarterbacks don't have. Yeah, that part is actually very interesting when you compare him to, you know, like <laughs> Zach uh, Wilson and, and these type of guys who seem like they were anointed, as you said. Here's where we might disagree. I don't know. Ever since the Niners made the trade up to three, that told me immediately that Jimmy is not going to play unless he's a backup and the starter they either, you know, pick or traded for is hurt. So Kyle... After the pick was made, seemed like he was trying to clean up a little bit of a mess with what he said about uh, Jimmy earlier in the week at that Monday press conference. But do you think it's legit? Are they really going to keep Jimmy around if they can let him go and open up a bunch of cap space? The cap space, it's an awful lot of money that Jed is paying for a guy who may or may not be the, the starter. And he just used so much capital on a quarterback. The opposite argument is that, you know, Trey Lance didn't really play in 2020. He played one game. And so he's basically limited to one season, Missouri Valley Conference. And the question is, would he be able to kind of start right off the bat? And Shanahan has cited that Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith apprenticeship that uh, Mahomes had as a rookie as a great way of kind of developing a quarterback. So the other part of it is that you've got this off-season program that may or may not be full. Jimmy Garoppolo looks like he's going to participate. He's got $600,000 riding on him doing so, an off-season workout bonus. So I, I think it would be certainly better from the 49ers standpoint if he's there, at least through that, because you want a guy who knows the offense running that. Everybody would benefit from having a veteran, a veteran in Kyle's system basically operating that uh, off-season program, and Trey Lance would benefit as well. To me, that's, that's I don't want to say that's a given that he'll, he'll go through that, but that's the most likely. Then training camp is the second most likely. Then you get into the season, and then uh, you start to shrug your shoulders. I think it really hinges on how far they think Trey Lance has gotten and, and whether he can run the show. I'm a little bit skeptical as to whether he could, it's something that you would do if you were you know, like a Cincinnati or a team that was starting from scratch, that was rebuilding, that didn't really have any real playoff aspirations. That's not the 49ers. They, they do. Uh, so to kind of turn the, the ship over to an inexperienced captain at that point, uh, that would be a tough maneuver. So my bet, my hunch is that Jimmy spends the whole season with the 49ers. But you know, the longer that goes on, the longer the season goes on, I feel like, you know, once you get to that trade deadline, it'll happen. But that's probably the key point. Does he make it through October or whatever it is, 27, whatever the trade deadline will be in 2021? And lastly, you brought up Alex Smith and with Patrick Mahomes, but I am a little bit skeptical that Jimmy's going to start any games in 2021. I know a lot of people believe that he will. Say he does. And Alex Smith had a situation when Colin Kaepernick was drafted where Kaepernick would come in during certain games. I remember when they played the Jets in particular, and they would give him some plays. Generally, it was straight runs, designed runs for him. Every once in a while, he would throw it downfield. Could you see that situation where if they do actually stay with Jimmy, 
as I'm saying, I don't believe that they're going to, but a lot of people are disagreeing with me on this. They stay with Jimmy, and then Lance is sort of used in a Kaepernick role, a Taysom Hill kind of role, where he gets brought in for a handful of plays each game. Yeah, I was going to uh, bring up Taysom Hill. That, that that seems like the right role for Lance. Um, you know, and Taysom Hill often ran the ball when he came in for Drew Brees, but sometimes he didn't. But like I said, I don't think that Shanahan wants to earmark Trey Lance as a running quarterback. I mean, I think that number one for Shanahan is develop this guy as a as a pocket quarterback who can run if need be, who can run in certain scenarios. But I agree with you that that does seem like a good way of of kind of giving him some game time experience, keeping defenses off their toes, and and, and telling Jed York, hey, you know, we are going to utilize both of these quarterbacks this year. It, it, it is money well spent. And really the, the money well spent part is that you're giving Trey Lance a sort of complete lesson. It's the tutelage. It's the bringing him along slowly that theoretically will pay big dividends down the road. It's something that Kyle Shanahan didn't, wasn't able to do with RG3. RG3 played from the get-go back in, in 2012 to his detriment. It wasn't something he could do with Johnny Manziel in, in Cleveland in, in 2014. I don't think Manziel played from the get-go, but he was brought in sooner, I think, than, than Shanahan would have liked and, and used differently than Shanahan would have liked. This time, he gets to do it the way he wants to do it, and I would assume that's sort of a a slow mentorship under Jimmy Garoppolo. That sounds uh, very, very, very accurate to me. I still believe that uh, you don't trade all those picks and move up to three and say, all right, Jimmy, you're still around, but we'll see. It could be interesting next year. I know that it's going to be a lot nicer on social media since they made this pick. We're a little bit uh, inundated for over the last month with just absolute craziness on Twitter and such. But now it seems like everyone's kind of calming down. So I hope you have a great rest of your week, Matt, and thanks for coming on. All right, Steve. Thanks for having me on. Talk to you soon. Always a great conversation with my friend Matt Barrows, whether it's in the press room at Levi Stadium or on this podcast, which was a pleasure to do. Thank you to Adam for letting me sit in his chair and to Brian for producing. You can rate, review, and subscribe to The Update wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you very much for listening.